if you're listening to this podcast right now and you're trying to think like, you know, should I start selling on Amazon or should I set up a Shopify store or try to sell my own website or what have you like that? It's not easy to drive traffic to a website, right? Like highly targeted traffic. It's it's pretty dang challenging. Welcome to the Global From Asia e-commerce series, where you can follow along the progress of setting up a cross-border e-commerce business from start to finish. Hear insights of real product research, Amazon FBA, China manufacturing, branding, marketing, and all the blood, sweat, and tears of building a global business from Asia. Now, let's tune in. Today's podcast is brought to you by Global Sources, when sourcing products globally, buyers use online and offline channels. Online marketplaces offer the year-round convenience of a wide selection of products and suppliers. And offline, at trade shows, buyers see exclusive new product launches and gain confidence meeting exhibitors. But there is a better way. There's one online marketplace where buyers get the offline benefits of a trade show. It's GlobalSources.com, supercharged by Global Sources trade shows featuring exhibitors and their newest products. Online to offline, it's your O2O sourcing advantage. All right, everybody. Episode number five of the Global From Asia e-commerce series. Today is a very exciting day. We have with us our partners in the venture. It's uh, it's, it's great. We just had the e-commerce gladiator show uh, recording earlier this week. And I just want to, I can't wait to introduce them. So without further ado, let's, let's let them introduce themselves. Uh, Kadrian, do you want to start? Yeah, sure. Hi, everyone. This is Kadrian. So I'm currently based in Hong Kong and Shenzhen. Uh, I work in the digital transformation in the banking industry. And I started my career as a software engineer in the U.S., came back to Asia in 2013 for my startup, and eventually moved into product management in e-commerce and and currently in the bank. And I'm very excited on the FBA joint venture. I believe my skill set and my multicultural experience uh, would be a good fit for me to enter the multinational e-commerce business. So yeah, I'm very excited. And in my spare time, I enjoy sports and technology. So my product selection might be biased uh, a bit towards the technology stuff. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Very cool. Thanks, Kadrian. Uh, Jack, you want to come up next? Yeah, sure. Hi, I'm Jack Finkerman, and I'm currently in Raleigh, North Carolina in America. And I just uh, came here after working seven years in China. I was in Shuzhou uh, running a packaging plant. And I'm a mechanical engineer. And I think... I can probably say that I'm the one of the older guys in this group, so I've got some experience, um, and I'm really excited about learning uh, how to do e-commerce, um, how to use some of the new tools that we've uh, already started to look into, like Jungle Scout and Asana and some of these other cool tools. So I'm learning that and uh, having a great time, and I'm really looking forward to the future and sharing our adventure with everybody. Great. Thank- Thanks, Jack. And last but not least, Roland. Hey, everyone. This is Roland Bernat. I'm calling in from Hungary, Budapest, to be exact. I'm 24 24 years old. And what you have to know about me, I have a great passion for business, especially doing business in China, selling and buying. Uh, I'm a Far East sourcing manager at one of the largest industrial firm in my country and Europe. I have some... uh, 
attachment to to Hong Kong and China as I studied there in Hong Kong for a semester as a study abroad student. And that's when I fell in love with, with uh, doing business there. I'm looking forward to creating some huge, well, something huge with these guys over here. So stay tuned and make sure to follow Mike's podcast and follow Paraliving. Yeah. Thank Thanks, Roland. Yeah. So guys, uh, we mentioned on the show earlier, but it's Paraliving Inc. and we Paraliving.com. So definitely check it out as we develop and that's it for for our, we'll get we'll get we'll, you this will be the first of many times to hear everybody on the show we're we're working on that but we are going to jump into our own internal team meeting to we have a lot to coordinate on product selection and and other other admin tasks for for getting started but for this this week's show we have Greg Mercer he's back on the podcast uh he's been on an earlier episode in Global from Asia and this time he's getting up to date about his new venture and he gave us some great insights for of course our business here but I think a lot of listeners have a trouble a lot of bit, a lot of trouble about product selection so he gives us tons of insights about you know how to choose some products do we have to be in the right same category I know that's something the team's been talking about already so he gives amazing feedback even some ways to go into the market faster and ways about that brand registry 2.0 and, and a lot of hacks. So let's tune into the show. All right. Thank you, everybody, for tuning into another e-commerce series here at Global from Asia. We have with us Greg Mercer, CEO and founder of Jungle Scout. Always a pleasure to have you. You were on the show earlier. It's, it's great to have you today, Greg. Michael, thank you for having me back. It's always a blast talking to you too. And uh, yeah, I know we have some awesome stuff planned today, so I'm stoked for it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, we're at this part, of course, it's early on in the e-commerce series, but we, of course, finding the right product is is extremely important. And, you know, for sure. uh, even some of the founding members of this, this new venture, as well as other applicants, as well as just general audience, I think get stuck on, this part, right? They want to sell on Amazon. They want to sell on e-commerce. They always just wonder, how do I find that right product? And you know, you were on our show. You, you know, you're always so generous with your your experience and knowledge. Um, so today is, uh, yeah, we're going to be talking kind of about this public case study specifically, but just for everybody following along, I've already got some other uh, listeners that are engaged and have started their own. Amazon business made some partnerships. I've met them at some meetups and stuff. So they're, they're cool. following along. And, you know, we have so many partners. Some people are a little bit worried we have too many, too many equity holders or too many people, but I'm excited to, uh, excited to do this. So my first question maybe is with multiple partners, should there be like the one kind of like product research person or should it be a shared role or, or how do you, how would you say that, you know, how would you say to get this going? Is it one person? Yeah, Should we assign good, it? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, because as you kind of already alluded to, the product research part is like extremely important, right? It's it's fairly hard to come back from if like you pick a product that doesn't have any demand or if you choose a product that's just like super competitive and very hard to launch. Um, so I guess like, you know, I'm trying to think if I was myself in your shoes, I were to have a few partners all involved with this. If there's anyone who maybe has like the most experience with product research, they'd probably be a good candidate to do a lot of it. Um, but other than that, I'd probably say like everyone should kind of chip in just cause it is like the most important part. And then, you know, at the end of this, before you pull the trigger and actually like order it, I think it'd probably 
be good to either get everyone, you know, to give it the thumbs up or at least like a majority vote that this is going to be a good product because, yeah, like I said, it's just, you know, a very important part of, you know, the success of this. Totally, totally. Yeah. Got my wife on, on me uh, making sure that we're okay. <laughs> She's a little bit nervous for us as, a, as I guess any, any, <laughs> any supporting wives would be. So, yeah, like we're using CourseWorks. We're a supporter of your software. So we were past the seven day trial and uh, we're, we're now in the paid version and enjoying it. And we have some, some tabs saved. And we have some, you know, we have some categories and we're just looking now, like, how would we keep track? I mean, I, I know in your software, we can save some uh, groups and categories. Um, would you also say maybe some spreadsheets uh, for each tem- team member or should we make categories? Like you said, some people are doing most. There's actually one founder. He's been really getting his hands dirty. Uh, Roland is his name. We'll, we'll get to know him as the show goes. But you know, others are also kind of pitching in. So I'm just wondering what would you say to, to kind of keep track of all this research? Yeah, so personally what I do is um, I just create the categories inside the product tracker, which it sounds like you kind of already got uh, set up. Um, so for me personally, I think that's the easiest way. And you know, you can use a naming convention that fits. So whether you know maybe all the the products or like the niches you find, maybe you put like an MM, uh, your initials in front of it, and then like the product type, and then track products you know in that particular category. Um, I think that would probably work for you guys pretty well. If you decide that, you know, it is hard to stay organized in there, there's like too many kind of cooks in the kitchen with it, um, then yeah, if, you know, I don't think that'd be the case, but if it was, if I was you guys, I'd probably go for, uh, you know, like Google Sheets or Excel or something similar where you guys can all collaborate like on a similar spreadsheet. I think those are usually like the two main things people do to kind of organize their product research, either organize it in the product tracker or have some type of spreadsheet. Got it. Got it. And so we're already having these discussions. Well, we picked our name, Para, uh, Para Living, because I registered a company. We're really trying to make this for a Christmas season. So we're all afraid that uh, new seller accounts might not get approved, you know, with Amazon. Like last year, they stopped it around the end of October for new sellers for right. Q4. So we're rushing that and doing bank account now, which is not nerve wracking. Uh, but but yeah, so we, we, were, we have paraliving.com. So some people are already kind of, which I picked honestly because I just didn't, didn't want to delay that. Uh, of course, we can change the company name or other things. So I'm trying to tell the other founders we don't have to stick with. Well, it's pretty wide range living. I try to make it as wide ranging brand name as possible. But even the product itself could be a different brand. We definitely want to do brand registry 2.0 later. But of course, we don't have time for that for Christmas. But we're kind of wondering, should we all decide on a category first and then dive? Or we're, I think we're just kind of going wide still. So what we're doing is we're just, I'm just trying to help everybody on team just search for anything you could possibly think of, like anywhere you could think of it. You know, I don't think we want to be saying we're only doing kitchen or only doing living room or only doing, you know, a, a category. So, um, but then I guess what point do we actually say? pick this category. So what's happening now is we're kind of grouping products and we see some really some really big winners, but uh maybe they're just like a standalone product that doesn't have like a, a whole group of products behind it. Where we see something more average that uh could have more 
a, a bigger product line behind it, but might not be as a hit, a hit as that one product that we're seeing. I don't know if that makes sense or or uh, what you you know. I'm, I could give a more deep example, but uh, if that makes sense, yeah, that makes sense. And before I, I think there was a, a few good points I can touch on, uh, kind of in that uh, question there. Um, so just real quick, the worry about um, getting your inventory in before if they, you know, nobody knows, but if they were to cut it off like they did last year, I have a good hack for you, a way you can get around this. Nice. You can open a seller account now, okay? Just um, order, just buy like something from anywhere and just mail it into Amazon and sell it. So this would be like an already, an item that's already sold on Amazon. Okay. So like if you just buy like a Snickers bar or like whatever, a roll of paper towels or whatever, you know, you can mail that into Amazon and sell it on that existing listing, right? Mm-hmm. So who cares if you lose money on it? Like buy a roll of paper towels for five bucks, yep. uh, send it into Amazon, lose your money, who cares? Um, but then you will, you'll already have, you'll already be a seller. Yeah, on I like Amazon, that. I like that. Because like you've already sold one product. Um, and that way you wouldn't, because I guess, well, I, that's assuming that they did do the same things last year. Last year, just anyone who hasn't ever sold anything on Amazon before, they were the ones who got put into like that bucket. But I think that's like a cool little hack to get around that if, you know, in case they do that again. I do like that. Um, yeah. Yeah. Something I just real quick wanted to touch on the trademark thing because I think that's uh, I have some good advice for you guys in that section would be um, it sounds like you're already familiar with like brand registry 2.0, which is good uh, for any of the listeners who are not now to get brand registry on Amazon. You have to have a registered trademark. So what I would advise to you is to just register one trademark. It sounds like you're already doing this, but I just wanted to clarify this for anyone listening. Just to register one trademark, that's a pretty like generic trademark. And have any products you launch be that trademark, like the official brand. But you can still name these anything you want. So let me give you an example because this might not make sense to some of the listeners. Like, you know, knowing what I know now, like these publics that I these products that I publicly launched, I would have just trademarked like one term and I would have called it like jungle creations Mm. and jungle creations can then sell jungle sticks and jungle snugs. And it doesn't have to be called jungle something, right? I can also sell coast uh, sunglasses or whatever, you know, the kind of like the hack there, you know, it's, it's not even a hack This is like, you know, a totally legitimate thing is just that that's like my official brand name for the product. But Keep in mind, this doesn't have to be like the most like prominent like uh, name on the packaging, right? I can just put like right underneath the barcode, like made by Jungle Creations, and then that's the brand. So that way, all those fit underneath my brand registry. Does that make sense? That does. That does. I think that so, helps a lot. Yeah, that's what I would do for you. And then something else, you someone just brought this up to me like a couple of weeks ago. You know, getting a trademark registered in the U S takes at least four months. I think six months is more realistic, which is pretty dang long time to, you know, like it's not, you don't, you know, brand registry is not required, but it is nice. Like you can get access to, um, the enhanced brand content, which is like all the pictures on the listing. You can get access to like the headline ads, like cool stuff like that. And they're, they're supposedly adding a lot more in the very, in the near future, as far as like uploading, uh, videos to your listing and other cool things like that. Um, so something you could think about would be trying to purchase a trademark from someone. So there's tons and tons and tons of trademarks out there that someone you know trademarked and never ended up using. 
So if you were to just find like a pretty like generic trademark, let's just pretend it's called like, you know, uh, maybe it's like some word that like doesn't really have a real meaning behind it, like something like Twitter or something, right? Like if you were just to like purchase the trademark Twitter for maybe like a few hundred bucks, that's like cheaper than registering the trademark yourself. You would get it immediately. And then, you know, then you could have paraliving products. Uh, you know, the brand is Twitter. And like we said, this is just like in the fine print underneath the barcode. Got it. So that's something else that you could be thinking about. The one downside here is I haven't found like a good online marketplace for trademarks. I think there are some that are like kind of crappy, but there's nothing quite as good as like, uh, you know, like Flippa is for websites or whatever. Yep. Yeah, I totally actually, somebody was a mayor is one of our advisors on a team. Uh, and he was suggesting actually similar, similar strategies with, uh, well, he's actually saying there seems like there's an opportunity for a marketplace for that because with his whole brand registry 2.0 and requirement and the time required, that people probably just want to buy like off the shelf trademarks now. Isn't that kind of like buying the like the off the shelf uh, like corporations in Hong Kong? Or whatever? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> His shelf company. Kind of like that, right? It's true. So, it's true. Okay. Awesome, man. Yeah, really, so I still really haven't good. answered your main question yet, though. Uh, would be you know like wide or deep, uh, similar category, that kind of stuff. Yeah. My, you know, there's lots of like different opinions um, out there on this. My opinion, and I feel pretty strongly about this, is that um, your, if you're um, uh, planning on doing, you know, 95% of your sales on Amazon or whatever, if that's like the main marketplace you're going to utilize, which I'm a huge fan of, I don't see any, you know, I'm a big fan of only utilizing Amazon, focusing all your efforts there having multiple products in the same like product line or same category or niche isn't going to increase your sales. I think I think there's some people out there that believe that and in my opinion and all of the data that I've seen I've seen a lot of it there's like no supporting evidence for that because you know the consumer is not going to know like about paraliving or, you know, whatever else you guys decide um, to call this. So they're not going to be searching for those terms. And like 90 some percent of um, Amazon purchases start in the search bar. So, I mean, they're going to be searching for hooded baby towel. They're going to be searching for marshmallow sticks. They're not going to be searching for your brand name. And so, so, you know, a consumer starts on Amazon with the idea of what they want to purchase. They search for it and then judging off the price and the reviews and the listing or whatever, they purchase that item. Now, Amazon is pretty good at upselling customers on other, you know, similar items. They show them, hey, like um, item, uh, these are frequently bought together. You know, they show them other ads all over the place, that kind of stuff. But I've never seen any supporting data to make me believe that Amazon would pair, you know, like in those scenarios would pair products that are of the same brand. They just don't do it. They, instead there's other algorithms. They don't take the brand into account when they do that. So as a result of all this, having multiple products in a similar lineup or whatever, doesn't help you get any additional sales on Amazon. And that's why if you were to look at my seller account, you know, I have like 150 SKUs and there's no, like cohesive lineup whatsoever. You know, I would have like a chair and a plant and a laptop stand and a coffee cup and like whatever else. And it's just because these are the good opportunities on Amazon. You know, I'm not, uh, I'm not creating an e-commerce website that sells all baby products. So that, 
that's my take on it, and that's what I, you know, I recommend to everybody. I like that. Yeah, I mean, we're definitely doing Amazon first, uh, but there is already votes. You know, well, even in the audience as well as our team, and I guess I'm a little bit. I haven't been in e-commerce myself since 2012, as everybody knows, but I'm still old-fashioned, like ZenCart, if you remember that, and uh, you know, like. PPC and sure. I was before the uh, Amazon days, so I'm still adjusting. But I, we already have a website set up, and uh, you know, obviously, I haven't put the product. We don't have the products, but um, well, we had to have a website anyway for the brand registry, from what I understand. So, but yeah, I guess it's true. Well, I like this though; it's cool because we've already found some pretty wild product ideas, pretty far ranging. So we're wondering if we have to cut back, cut those back, or not, based on relative. You know, to each other. So I like this advice, and uh, this has been great. Yeah. So something I'll just give one other little piece of advice, kind of like yeah, for all the listeners and for you guys as well. Is I'd say like you know, if you're listening to this podcast right now and you're trying to think like you know, should I start selling on Amazon or should I set up a Shopify store or try to sell my own website or what have you like that? You know, like Michael, you're pretty familiar with this. I feel like I am too, just from Jungle Scout and other projects, but. It's it's not easy to drive traffic to a website, yeah. right? Like highly targeted traffic. It's, it's true. It's pretty dang challenging, and it can be very expensive. You know, if you're going like the paid acquisition route. So, you know, for anyone listening to this, like if you have, if your like area of expertise is like in Facebook ads, or like you're really really good at AdWords, or maybe like you you know you uh, you're in on uh, the new Snapchat ad platform and you're really good at it or something. Then you know I'd say like setting up your own Shopify store might be a um, a decent option for you. If you're not like excellent at any of those, and I don't just mean like you're AdWords certified, but I mean like you're the bomb at AdWords and you're you know uh, CPCs or you know a quarter of everyone else's, then it it's just really hard in my opinion to like make that other stuff work. We've done like a lot of because you know we're doing a case study at Jungle Scout. We've we've been doing some like different tests and stuff because we wanted to share like a part about making your own e-commerce store like within like a case study that we're doing just like people would have that information. And we've spent a ton of money on it and we haven't even gotten to a point where I'd be comfortable like sharing any of it with the public because I feel like um I don't want to like misguide them. I feel like it's like poor advice to be like, mm. okay, this is how you set the Shopify store and stuff. And this is, you know, for every $20 worth of sales, we only lose a hundred dollars worth of acquisition costs. So like, I don't want to give people that advice, you know, Got <laughs> it's it. like we haven't even shared any of it. Got but, um, it. So, okay. But th- I mean, this is my opinion, right? There's, there's of course, uh, lots of schools of thoughts on this, but I just want to share mine real quick. Uh, no, I, no, it's just great. And it's, it's relevant for us and our listeners. I mean, I look forward to people listening to this years to come. And these are common questions that we both probably, you get, I, I get. So it's just, it's just scary though. You know, I have to be honest, even for me getting back into this, I'm already getting warnings from Amazon already about my uh, bank account. You know, verification and stuff, and you know, they uh, I can't sell. So, I, like you said earlier, to just sell something, I can't yet. I just opened up a Delaware company, uh, Parallel Para Living Inc., and uh, it's really fast. I did it. I did it actually from one of the from one of the previous guests, Mark Hartman Service for Delaware company because I'm an American, so I can't use my Hong Kong company selling Amazon because I'm a U.S. citizen. Uh, okay, they don't let me. So and. Uh, 
you know, I have Kindle books. Those also sell my U.S. personal name, so I can't use Amazon through my Hong Kong corporation, which I've had for ten years. Uh, but anyway, so they're scaring me, and uh, you know, that, that's the scary thing about Amazon, you know, or any of these marketplaces, or, or you know, walled gardens like even Facebook. But yeah, like you're saying, they don't. None of them want to send web traffic to your website. You know, like even Facebook now, you got to keep everything more and more inside of their their system for you know content and and. Yeah, everything, but yeah, I think that's yeah, just exactly the, that's just the word. Right? Like, yeah, the email opt-ins, you know, inside of Facebook. Exactly. And now, like on mobile, they load the pages inside exactly. the Facebook app and all that. I know. Um, just like a real quick comment, just kind of on that is sure. Um, the everyone's very concerned about their like the health of their Amazon account and rightfully so, especially, you know, like I'm, I'm personally, you know, like, um, this is something like I think about often too. It's like a, a huge source of revenue for exactly. me. Uh, there's like a lot of money. And it's like a lot of eggs in one basket. But what I will say is I've, you know, like I know tons and tons and tons of Amazon sellers. I've never, heard of a case where people were abiding by Amazon terms of service and couldn't get their account back. So there have been scenarios where uh, mistakes or whatever reason someone wasn't legitimately doing anything wrong and they got their account suspended. But never have I ever heard of any scenario where someone was, you know, like following the rules and couldn't get their account back. Yeah, it was a hassle and like it got shut down for like three days while they were emailing back and forth with Amazon. But yeah, so like that, that makes me feel a lot better. And I've also, you know, talked to, there's kind of like specialists in that area, right? Who like help you get your account reinstated if it were to get suspended. And they've, they've kind of said the same thing that like never like, have we not been able to get an account reinstated who was like actually following the rules. And a lot of people, in my opinion, shouldn't have gotten reinstated and they are. And these are people doing like really sketchy things like oh, okay. scratching off expiration dates of like over-the-counter drugs and like Whoa. stuff like that. They were still able to get their accounts reinstated. Amazing. So it's like, all right, like if those dudes are getting their accounts reinstated, like if I just legitimately follow the rules that Amazon want, you know, has, then like I feel, you know, like – it would really suck for me to have my account shut down for like four or five days, but it's like, well, in the whole, you know, in the whole big scheme of things, if I look at a year's worth of revenue, it's like three days isn't actually that big of a deal. True, true, true. Yeah, I, I mean, obviously we're doing this, so <laughs> there's no there's no turning <laughs> yeah. back for me. But it has honestly been a, a little bit of hesitation for for me. I mean, I don't know. Maybe I'm special or paranoid. I'm an American. Well, I mean, you're American, but I'm overseas, and uh, you know they're. They already flagged my uh, account because I'm logging in from a different IP, and they're calling my my U.S. parents' number, asking them, not well, it's banks and stuff. But anyway, it'll be part of this show, I guess. <laughs> anyway, yeah, and I think I think you'll just have that trouble at the beginning um, because you know, like me, you know, like I'm a nomad. I'm exactly. A right now, nice. I've been like I've logged in at like I don't know. 50 different IP addresses this year. I haven't had any problems with it. So okay, great. I think that's probably just more so like the initial like account setup and stuff until, you know, you build up some like account history and they realize, okay, this is like a legit person. Got it. Okay. So yeah, I appreciate this time. We're uh, getting deep into this, but going, going towards the next part, the decision, we kind of talked about that before. And I guess of course this is not really a, uh, maybe not as much a strategy, but, I guess people can vote. Um, I guess it's maybe something you can't really help with, but maybe your opinion of 
well, we got to get this fast. You know, we were trying to get it into Amazon for Christmas. Whether we even do the retail arbitrage or we send some sample just to get the active account, but we want to get you know a decent amount of inventory in there to to get some sales for Christmas. Um, so I'm wondering, what do you think we should do to to decide as a team? Uh, your suggestions. I guess we should all. I guess the unanimous vote or or majority vote or. Um, yeah, those would all be good things. Um, so you're saying like you have like a pretty big list right now, and like it's like, what is it going to take to narrow this down? Yeah, or should we just get a? I guess we should get a whole bunch of different stuff, right? I mean, we we we've invested some capital. We got about well, this is interesting. Well, we got about thirty thousand US to start with. So we're also try, I'm also trying to decide how much should we commit to that first order of different stock, um, or how much we should invest right. in that first one plus Christmas plus you know lead time stuff like that. It's kind of a huge yeah. question here. It exploded, but. You know, I guess yeah. maybe, maybe how much All to start questions. or, yeah, I mean, this is awesome. If I was you, I'd probably, um, you know, with 30 K I'd probably go ahead and just launch a few products kind of like simultaneously, like two or three, if it were me doing it and I was in your shoes, I'd probably invest, like, I'd probably say like 15 K. So half of that would be my initial order. And then the other 15 K stays in the bank, um, for reorders because, one of the, that's like the the biggest downside about this business, in my opinion, is like it's fairly capital intensive, um, especially like at the beginning, you know, like when you're in uh, like these very early and like high growth stages. And, you know, like so for like me personally, you know, I normally order like three months worth of inventory. OK, once that. So once like the product arrives at Amazon or, okay, and like let's just say like in general, like a lead time, the date I place my first deposit um, to when it arrives at Amazon is normally about two months because I normally ship ocean freight. Okay, so mm-hmm. if I order three months worth of inventory, that means after it arrives at Amazon, it sells for one month, and if everything goes to plan at that point, that's when I have to reorder. And generally, you don't recoup your investment in that first month. So just so you just to not run out of stock you again have to take out like additional capital out of your funds um, to place the first reorder. Does mm, that make sense? Makes sense. Makes sense. So that's why like, you know, you guys can obviously run the numbers a little bit closer, but I'd probably like invest 15 K of that upfront. Uh, and I'd probably spread that out over a few different products. Yeah. That, that's kind of like my thought, but you know, with 15 K you can yeah, pretty just, easily, you know, do multiple products at once. Totally. And uh, you know, there's a couple of us here in China, so it'll help. We can, send some stuff here and try to be fast, fast as well. Yeah. That's a huge benefit as far as like, uh, checking out samples and stuff being in China that like makes it so much faster and cheaper too. Totally. So last, last like business question, just so the ongoing, of course, some people think finding the right product at the beginning. Well, we're, I'm expecting to be a little bit wrong. I mean, everybody's, you know, you're not gonna be a hundred percent right with every, so say we do those three products cost 15 K probably one will hopefully be, really good or maybe it'd be a dog, maybe be an average. You know, I think that's how it's going to go. Right. And we'll learn from that iterate. So that's just that there's one, I think ongoing of the current product line and there's going to be like finding new products, but it's, that's going to be probably the majority of what we're going to be doing. Right. As an Amazon seller. That's like, that's going to take up like 90% of your like time and work is going to be like finding the opportunities, finding the products, and then finding the suppliers, working with the suppliers, you know, to set up your packaging and, um, you know, just going back and forth, the suppliers coordinating, uh, the shipments, all that kind of stuff. So like, 
so to answer your question, yes, like it's all, it's kind of like all like front loaded work. Once like a product's been launched and is up on Amazon and it's, you know, it's been selling for a month or whatever, there's not really much to do anymore. You know, you just kind of like have to keep it in stock. Um, you know, maybe you make a few adjustments to your PPC or to your listing or whatever, but yeah, essentially like once you have this thing up and running, uh, the, the work involved is just with like launching the new products. And I think you have a good mindset that, you know, if you launch three, um, you know, probably one will do really well. One will do about average. Maybe there's one dog that you end up not um, reordering. But the good thing about that is like even the dog that you don't end up reordering, I'd be surprised if you couldn't at least like make back um, the investment in inventory. And then, you know, from that, it'll be a huge learning experience from all you guys, right? Because, like, there's only so much you can learn by, like, taking in all the content. At some point, Mm -hmm. you just have to do it yourself and kind of just, like, figure things out. Exactly. Yeah. It's awesome. So, thanks so much, Greg. We're, we're, I really, I know you're a busy guy, so appreciate this time. Let's talk about what you, you know, you, like you said, you got your whole, you're, you're taking action. You know, you got your software, Jungle Scouts, doing amazing. And you're, you're also, you know, showing, people, you know, how you do it with your million dollar challenge and, and your whole product line. So do you want to share some with some people what you're current currently working on and what, what's happening with, with your businesses? Yeah, sure. So um yeah, so as far as like my my private, you know, I'm still an active Amazon seller. I have um, a small team, it's just three people who kind of like run that business for me. We're continuously launching products. Uh, I think we probably launched maybe four or five products a month. So it's going well as far as the software side of things go. That's where, so I only actually devote probably um, maybe two to three hours a week on my Amazon business. And I do that just like kind of like stay in the loop of what's working, you know, just like still kind of like have my hands in, um, yeah, the hands in that business. I'm still just like very involved, you know, like, or really understand kind of like what's going on. Um, so yeah, I spent a few hours a week on that and the rest of the time spent on the software. So, you know, a lot of listeners might be familiar with Jungle Scout. We also have like three other tools, which is like JumpSend, which is um, a deal site to help you like launch products and it's email automation. We have Splitly, which is an A-B testing tool for Amazon sellers. And then um, we have Fetcher, which is profit analytics for Amazon sellers. So yeah, just working on those four tools. Uh, me personally, I spend most of my time on Jungle Scout. Uh, the team's grown fairly large. I think we're about like 35 people now. So, you know, at this point it's kind of, uh, project managers for different apps and stuff. And then, um, yeah, it's going well. So, you know, something we're really excited about is that million dollar case study, like you talked about. So like we're publicly launching, uh, products, we're donating all the money to pencils of promise to build, uh, schools in developing countries. Our goal is well, we're not stopping until we hit a million bucks in revenue, and awesome. our goal is to uh, build five schools uh, with the profit. So, yeah, it's cool. a really cool project. It's something I'm really excited about. It's great, man. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're always doing. You have your scholarship program. I saw you launched too, and yeah, you're really giving back too, which is which is amazing. So, and just like this podcast, you really you really gave us, uh, you know, for our case study, and I'm sure lots of listeners got a great insight. So, so thanks so much, Greg, for coming on. Fantastic. And- and uh, yes, yeah, I was, hope to catch you, catch up with you soon in person. Awesome. Thanks, Michael. It's been awesome chatting with you and I'll talk soon. Thanks. Wow, this is getting exciting. It's, uh, it's getting real, for real. <laughs> Had a uh, great intro to introduce our new venture partners in Paraliving and this new e-commerce series. So you guys can follow along the progress of Roland 
Jack, and Kadrian. Mayer is also an advisor. He was on our first episode, as I said in that first one. He inspired this very case study, and I'm very grateful for his feedback. So, Greg, thank you. Another amazing podcast. I think this was even more awesome. I mean, I'm having fun with this series. I get to ask questions that uh, I need real answers to, and he was he was really giving the goods as we I got from Pat Flynn there, you know, getting the goods. We are rocking here. We are, are five shows in and one TV series in. E-commerce Gladiators, our TV show. And I don't know, should we rebrand the podcast Gladiator? I think the just keep this one simple. The Gladiator will be a monthly TV show, internet TV. Uh, I was on live streaming. If you want to see that, it's facebook.com slash global from Asia. Uh, follow us or like us would be pretty cool for for that. And we will put on our YouTube and WeChat and all kinds of crazy stuff. I'm getting messages, people adding us all around the world saying they enjoy this and, and it's something unique. Just talking to Frederick at ChinaImportal.com and he's really liking the series too and, and many others. And and of course, for those I didn't get to choose for this venture, I, I, I'm sorry, man. I, I love you guys. I, I love you guys applying. And I've already gotten replies from you that there's ways we can still work together. Maybe we still need people to get involved. We're going to be growing, right? And we're going to be rocking. So we need more people and uh, don't give up on us right away. And we'll see how many series this will go and uh, finding products now. Peace. Global from Asia e-commerce series, where you can follow along the progress of setting up a cross-border e-commerce business from start to finish. Hear insights of real product research, Amazon FBA, China manufacturing, branding, marketing, and all the blood, sweat, and tears of building a global business from Asia. 